who's going to share the word with us. Let's clap our hands. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, I, I like I like the microphone. How it's sounding right now. Has it got feedback? I mean, it just sounds nice. I feel like saying thank you. I just want to thank my mom. <laughs> For raising me in the way she did. I want to thank my dad. <laughs> my wife is saying me too. <laughs> Praise God. I'm so excited about this. Father, we open our hearts to revelation knowledge from you. We open our hearts to wisdom from above. And I pray, Lord God, that this would not just be a message or a series. I pray, Father, that there would be an impartation, there would be an activation of leadership, the grace to lead, that the gift of leadership would be activated in this hour. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're starting this new series, and I've entitled it The School of Leadership. I think you'll understand, those of you who've been with us since the beginning of this year, that we're calling them schools because they are schools. So we did the school of humility, we did the school of faith, and now we look at the school of leadership. What is leadership? What is leadership? If you look on the continent right now, you will see that there's a leadership gap. Please say to the person next to you, there's a leadership gap on the continent. There's a leadership gap in families. There's a leadership gap in our communities. When I, when I listen to the news today, I hear them talking about the great stalwarts of old. Where they're talking about these guys who've retired. Is anyone feeling me this morning? But we're not hearing things mentioned about the leaders of today. And people will look at various people and it's almost like, but who do we look to? And we look to the legends of yesterday and there's a place for the legends of yesterday but how many of you know that our children want to grow up and need to grow up looking at this generation of leaders who are going to rise up and rise out of mediocrity and I believe that if you've been called to this church there's a leadership thing that is on you there's a leadership thing that is on you that's for your nation and people you see, if you study, if you look at waves of God that we've experienced in the past, there are certain moves of God that have taken place in the past where the move of God catches you, where the wave of God catches you. If you think of the charismatic renewal, if you think of the Pentecostal revivals before that, if you think of some of the waves of God, the renewals we experienced in the 90s, you will see that a whole lot of people who came to church were caught by that wave. But we're living in a time right now where there are things that God wants to do in this hour that will require personal responsibility from the people of God where you have to catch the wave. And I believe that there's some people here who will catch that particular wave. I believe that there's that personal responsibility required when God is raising up leaders who will lead the next move of God. But it's going to require those who will say, you know what, I want to rise up out of mediocrity. Personal responsibility. It's not going to be something that happens automatically. It's not going to be something where in times of worship we're just worshipping and the wave just catches us. Like past moves of God. It's going to be something where we make a choice. The Bible tells us that there's going to be a distinguishing between the righteous and the wicked. I believe we'll see it even in churches. Where some people will start feeling uncomfortable because they'll feel like eh, these guys, these guys have gone to another level. But based on choice, some of you will say, I'm embracing this move. Others might say, This is too much for me. May that not be your portion. Amen. Amen. When we talk about leadership in this series, we're not talking about a position. I'm gonna say it again. 
Leadership is not a position. There are many people in leadership positions, but few leaders. Leaders is, leadership is more about influence. Leadership is more about being able to take people from point A to point B. That's what leaders do. And what I've found in this nation for the many years that I've been here is that you have a lot of people who are very good at execution and implementation. They're very good at implementing certain things that they're told to implement, but few people who proactively take people from A to B. Ladies and gentlemen, leadership is not about positions. If you focus on your position, that's positional power. And I know a lot of people have got positional power, so we respect them and we revere them because they've got signing powers, but we don't like them. And what happens is when there's restructuring in an organization, they lose their power. And so they lose their leadership because it was just based on one power base, which was their position. You know the kind of people who resort to, you guys know who I am? You, I, you know those people when they shake hands with you, they tell you their whole title. I'm the, not just the assistant GM, no, 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 I'm the senior assistant GM. <laughs> I'm not just the CEO, I'm the group CEO and founder of. <laughs> and people are thinking themselves like I couldn't care less. Leadership is about influence. If you say to me, Paul, I'm a leader, the first question I'm going to ask you is who is following you? There's an old Chinese proverb that says if you think you're leading people but no one is following you, you're merely taking a walk. <laughs> F.D. Roosevelt once said that one of the worst experiences you can face as a leader is to go through life thinking you're leading people and one day you turn around, ain't nobody. <laughs> I don't think he sang that song. <laughs> to me, Paul, I'm a leader. I'm not going to ask about your position. I'm going to ask you, who is following you? And if you're married, I will, and, and you've got kids, I will say to you, are your children obeying you? So the Bible tells us that to be an overseer in a church, you have to be in control of your kids. I'm always challenged by that verse. I'm challenged by it. Because what it says to me is that my leadership is primarily first in the home. I'm one flesh with my wife and she's my personal ministry. She's my first ministry. <laughs> so there are many men today praying for breakthrough in terms of leadership in all sorts of spheres and forgetting that they need to be able to leave their families first. First question I'm going to ask you, if you say, Paul, I'm a leader, I will say, who is following you? Who are you taking from A to B? And the next question I'll ask you is, where are you going? Do you know that in the Latin, the word to lead is the same word as to go? It's the same word. In Latin, it's the same word. Leaders go somewhere. Leaders go somewhere. Some research was carried out some years ago. And what they found was that the top thing that people looked to leaders for, before they could follow that person's leadership, the top thing, guess what it was? It was words like integrity, honesty, authenticity. Because you see, before you tell me what your vision is, before you tell me where you're going, I want to know, do I even trust what you're saying? And guess what the second thing was that people looked for? The second highest thing, if you look according to research, a long-range view of things. A long-range view of things. You see, everyone who's a strong executor, just implementing, they tend to live one day at a time, don't they? They tend to live with the mindset of, yeah, I'm waking up, I don't know how today will look, I'll just start doing it. And they're focused on all sorts of activities. But you know what? Leaders have vision. Leaders have a long-range view of things. Napoleon Bonaparte once said, leaders are diggers in hope. Is it because everyone around us, in our community, in our nation, even right now, people are frightened. When I meet parents at the school and so on, they're like, oh, hopefully we'll receive some good news today. Oh, what's happening? What's your take? 
You know, some people, whenever they meet a black person, they think the black person knows more about what's going on in the country than they do. <laughs> I'm just saying, some people, okay? <laughs> so Paul, what's your take on the political climate at the moment? But you know what's actually happening? They're looking for hope. People are looking for hope. Leaders are dealers in hope. Leaders are the kind of people who who go around the corner and they'll say, you know, I don't know what it looks like exactly behind the corner, around the corner, but you know, if you just stick with me, everything will be fine. So my question to you this morning is, how will you go to your next level of influence? How will you go to your next level of leadership? At home? At the school that your kids go to? In the workplace? In your community? In your church? In the nation? How will you get to your next level of influence? That's what we're going to be talking about. And so I want to spend some time laying a foundation as an introduction to this series. And then at a later stage of my message this morning, I want to start whetting your appetite concerning a particular Bible character. And throughout this series, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be looking at specific Bible characters who are examples of great leadership. Are you ready to embark on that journey with me? Are you sensing something today? Turn with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 6, verse 9 to 11. This is not the main character I'm looking at, but it's a picture in the New Testament of great leadership. Are you ready? Acts chapter 6, verse 9 to 11. Some of you are in a space right now where you're saying, but Paul, how can I get to my next level? Of influence because I say things to people but they don't listen to me my helpers at home they don't listen to me the people in my team they do not listen to me and you are helpless and you often will speak from a place of victim stance but I want to show you that biblical leadership means that God has anointed you to lead and you end up influencing all sorts of people including your enemies and here's a picture of this. But some men from what was called the synagogue of the freed, freedmen, including both Cyrenians and Alexandrians, and some from Cilicia and Asia, <coughs> rose up and argued with Stephen. How many of you have had people rising up against you? Question, what do you do about it? Do you retreat? Woe is me. They're not listening to me. All this leadership stuff is fine, but people aren't following me, Paul. Well, that's what happened to Stephen, but watch what he did. Verse 10. But they were unable to cope with the... They were unable to cope with the wisdom. Some translations say they could not resist. Other translations say they could not withstand the wisdom and the... The wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke, which he was speaking, with which he was speaking. Then they secretly induced men to say, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. But I want to show you that you are entering a season right now, and please receive it with all your heart, where people out there, including your enemies, will not be able to withstand, will not be able to resist your wisdom and the spirit by which you speak. So my question to you is, by what spirit do you speak? You see, if we speak in the natural, people can resist us and we won't influence them. But Jesus said, don't worry about what you have to say, for my, by my spirit I will give you the words. The Holy Spirit will teach you what to say at whatever moment it is. That's when you're speaking by the spirit. And how many of you know that you can speak by the spirit even things to do with the world and the governing of a nation. You see, sometimes as Christians, we've been caught up in this thing that we can only be spirit-led when we're in a church setting, in a prayer meeting, when we're like, ooh, that's a Caesar, the Lord damn. And we're talking so-called spiritual things. 
with King James accents and things like that. No. You know that you can be speaking in the workplace to your boss and suggesting things in terms of the destiny of that organization by the Spirit of God. And you see the Christians are going to rise up and begin to lead in this hour, in this nation, on this continent, globally, are the Christians who are open to being spirit-led even in the workplace. God is not limited to the four walls of the church. We've taught a lot in that. Amen? We respect Joseph, don't we? One of the greatest um, vision and dream interpreters that we know of. But what dreams was he interpreting? Who was he advising? He was explaining things to do with the governance of a nation. And some of you are involved in government right now. And you need to rely on the Holy Spirit and his wisdom if you want to influence at another level. Some of you are in the private sector. Some of you are involved in your kids' schools. Some of you are involved as teachers. Some of you are involved in civic society. Some of you are involved in media, the film industry, advertising, marketing. Wherever you are involved, you can lead if you are led by the Spirit. Here's the principle. To go to your next level of leadership, it will require new levels of wisdom. Simple as that. The Bible tells us it's by wisdom that a house is built. Some of you have only reached the foundation stage of what you're trying to build in the spirit because of lack of wisdom. You see, these things happen on a continuum, don't they? It's not like this person doesn't have wisdom, this one has wisdom. No, very often it's this person has a little bit of wisdom. This one has a little bit more. This one has wisdom that they apply to their family life but not to their business life. But I don't know about you, but I want the full potential of wisdom that I need to lead the people that I need to lead. To go to your next level of leadership is going to require abundance of wisdom. And the second principle is this. It's going to require a new level of warfare. Spiritual warfare. Why? Biblical leadership is about taking territory. When you begin to advance, when you begin to enroll other people in what you're doing, taking them from A to B, how many of you know that you are pushing back the kingdom of darkness and displacing it with light? That's warfare. You cannot talk about Christian leadership without talking about spiritual warfare, ladies and gentlemen. In order to go to new levels of leadership, you need new levels of wisdom and you need new levels of warfare that you can engage in. Some of you right now, and I'm hoping you're listening with all your heart, you are limited because you have not understood the spiritual climate around you. Simple as that. Some of you are extremely intelligent, extremely smart, but you're not aware of what's going on in the spirit realm around you. And that's why sometimes you're like, how come I'm not getting this breakthrough? I'll tell you why. Because you're not engaging in warfare. If you look in my book, uh, we're talking about it with Sipo. He's been reading it. Sipo reads a number of my books. That's why I like him more and more. But anyway, if you speak to Sipo, he was, he, he was sharing with me just before the service in Kingdom Business. And he just said he was blown away because he was wondering in this book, Kingdom Business, there's this thing I cover where I'm talking about, is it God blocking you or is it Satan blocking you? That requires discernment. And I'm telling you right now, a lot of Christian leaders are functioning in the natural. They think that because I understand the economy, because I understand how finances work, I'm fine. To go to our next level of leadership is going to require a new level of warfare and a new level of wisdom. God, when he gives us wisdom, doesn't give us wisdom for the sake of it. Solomon asked God for wisdom, didn't he? He asked God for wisdom. Did he just say, oh, I just want wisdom, not cash, I just want wisdom. No, he said, give me wisdom so that I can lead such great a people. There's a link between wisdom and leadership. You see, for some of you, you haven't asked for wisdom because you don't know your calling. You don't know that you're called to greatness. You don't know that you're called to lead a multitude of people. How many of you know that if I say to you, can you clean this room? There's a level of wisdom required to clean a room. But how many of you know that if I say, can you lead this organization? There's another level of leadership, of wisdom that is required for that. Greater levels of leadership require greater levels of wisdom. 
May God give us wisdom. Right now, there's an activation in the spirit of the spirit of wisdom. The spirit of wisdom and revelation. I want to show you this in scripture. They were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit with which he spoke. Imagine going to your organization and making suggestions and the people can't withstand you. I'm not, I'm not talking to you theory. You guys understand that. I'm talking to you what I live in my own life and principles that I've learned in my own life. I'm talking to you situations where I will sit with heads of organizations or people needing lots of people and I will sit and they'll ask me a question and in the natural, I do not have the answer. But I've learned to trust in God for his spirit of wisdom to a point where I start saying things and then I have to take notes on myself afterwards. If you look on my website, paulnumbler.com, if you look on my website, there's a talk I, I, I've done. It's called, How to Prepare for a Bashing Session with Your Boss. How many of you have listened to it? How to Prepare for a Bashing Session with Your Boss. No hands have gone up. You must listen to it if you want. Okay, one hand. Is that CD? Emily, Emily, thank you, M. Thank you, M. Uh, More points for your parents now. <laughs> okay? <laughs> right? How to Prepare for a Bashing Session with Your Boss. I didn't, I hadn't even conceptualized that thing. But I was in a coaching session with a guy, very influential, sitting with him, and he thought to himself, and I won't mention the name of the person he thought he'd be in trouble with, but he thought, eh, Paul, no, I'm going to have a bashing session. Eh, Paul, Paul, can you help me with this? There was such an anointing in that room that day that I think it was on that very same day where the guy gives his life to the Lord also. I hadn't even proposed it to him. He was the one who also said, that I think I need to also be strong spiritually. But Paul, can you also help me on the spiritual side, please? <laughs> he texted me recently just saying, Paul, thank you so much for your input. You know, my life has changed, etc. I said, are you born again? He said, you know what? I've been religious here and there, but I've never actually given my life to the Lord to be born again. In that sense, so there was a spirit of wisdom for his salvation. But at the very same time, there was this question he asked me that I had to take notes on myself afterwards. Why? In my natural capacity, I did not have the answer for him. And a powerful message, I think there were about 10 key points that came out of it. I want to encourage you, trust God for wisdom on the spot. Your natural wisdom will not take you there. Trust God for wisdom that they cannot resist. The wisdom by which you speak and the spirit by which you speak. How many of you would agree with me this morning that there are levels of leadership? How many of you agree? Because today we've got a message that has come out of a secular humanistic ideology or worldview that emphasizes egalitarianism. We are all equal. There's no rank in the spirit. We all have an equal say. And I want to tell you that that's a lie from the pit of hell. And it's a type of lie that causes you in false humility to shrink back when God is raising you up to a new level of leadership, to a new level of authority. Watch this. Watch this. Matthew chapter 25, verse 23. I want to emphasize that we are all equal before God. We are all children of God. But God gives different people different levels of responsibility because with leadership comes responsibility. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. We, you have been faithful with... How many of you feel like you've only got a few things under your care right now? Let's be honest. How many of you feel like there's just a few things... Oh, I speak to some people, Paul, my life is simple. I coach some individuals, Paul, um, how many people report me? No, I've just got one person. They do admin for me, they support me. So maybe you're not officially in your position leading a large crowd of people. But how many feel that you can have one person officially reporting to you in the workplace, but many, many people you're influencing? How many feel that many PAs, many personal assistants in an organization are extremely powerful? Some of the PAs are nodding their heads. I am powerful. <laughs> take it, my sister. Take it, it's yours. There's a pastor in, in, in Botswana who used to say that quite a bit when he was praying for people. Take it, it's yours. Take it, it's yours. Take it, it's yours. Okay? Watch this. He says, you've been faithful with a few things. 
I will put you in charge of many things. This is a picture of how God operates. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. How many of you want to be in charge of many things? Come on. All the power hungry people. <laughs> All the power hungry people in the house say, Amen. How many of you know that if you're a president of a nation, you're in charge of many things? How many of you know that it's one thing to lead a department at work, it's another thing to lead to the group CEO. You're in charge of more things. Now, those of you who want to be in charge of many things, how many of you, your main gateway to that place is you've just been praying, Lord, make me in charge of many things. Lord, promote me. Oh, I'm waiting for my breakthrough. Lord, promote me. Oh, Lord, promote me. And you think with your little handshake, the breakthrough will come. Right? But when I look at this, I get into the mind of God. You have been faithful with a few things. Let's just put it therefore. In, in my Bible, it has a semicolon, right? Therefore, I will put you in charge of many things. So where should your focus be if you want to go to your next level of leadership? On being faithful with those few things. So, some of you don't even know what those few things are. So the first thing is to figure out what are the few things that have been put in my charge? Seriously, one of the reasons Christians don't get promoted as leaders is they're not actually aware of the things that they're supposed to be a steward over. And they'll say, I'm so busy, I'm so stressed, why isn't God giving me my breakthrough? Maybe you've been faithful with other people's stuff that God hasn't called you to. What are the few things he's given you? Because if you look at this context, they had been given those talents. They couldn't just say, I know it's fine, let's just pause on that. I want to do the stuff that will sort of give me more attention. Let me do that. Let me help them do this. What is the stuff God has given you and are you faithful with those few things? Then there's a guarantee that he will then put you in charge of many things. There are levels of leadership. Can I hear an amen? amen? Now watch what he says. He says, come and share your master's happiness. When you go to your next level of leadership, it will be something that you'll be enjoying. You'll be full of joy. Some translations say, come into the joy of your master. It'll be something you'll enjoy. If it's of God, it will not be something that's always stressing you out like, ah. I speak to people today who will say to me, Paul, I don't want to be promoted. My finances at this level are okay. I, I just still want my work-rest balance. So I don't want to be promoted. But sometimes I challenge them and I say, you know what, if this is the right thing for you, you'll be able to manage it. You'll be able to work through people. Amen? I like it in the New Living. It says, the master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. You can see that God's heart, because this is a picture of what God is like. He wants to promote us. He wants us to be in charge of many different things. Why? Because we know him. He wants his kids to be in charge. Why should the world be leading the nation? God is a king and kings rule. And we were created in his image. And if Christ is alive and at work in you and me, we should want to lead. We should want to influence. We should want to shape the destiny of this nation. I don't know if, about you, but I'm tired of lawmakers being unsaved, worldly, secular, humanistic people. How many of you know that there are a lot of laws, even in this nation, that aren't actually moral? Legality doesn't equate with morality. Just because something is legal doesn't make it moral. I was talking to one of the parents from our kids' school and she was just saying, Oh, Paul, at least you guys aren't watching such and such a movie. Although that movie was 7 to 9 PG, something like that, she said she was saying to her kids during the movie, Guys, please, I think we need to go. We need to leave. Just because of some of the content in the movie. I can't even repeat some of the stuff here from the pulpit. Maybe if we have a one-on-one. -on -one. I haven't, even, I haven't even repeated some of the stuff to my wife because I don't want to defile myself by even saying some of the stuff. I'm thinking it's a seven to nine. Is it legal? Yes. 
Is it moral? It's something you can enjoy. Leadership is something you can enjoy. Don't dread it. Don't dread it. When Jesus was asked why some were only spoken to in parables, he gave this response. And his response is very telling. For those of you who think that God treats every single person in exactly the same way and speaks to everyone in exactly the same way, well, here's a New Testament example of how he doesn't always. Matthew 13, verse 11 to 19. He replied, Because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, talking to the disciples, but not to Jesus, you're screening some people. You've screened them. You guys use that word. We used to use it in Zim. Ah, but I've been screened. Okay. Okay. Right? And he says, it's been the secrets of the kingdom. The wisdom of the kingdom of God. The secret things of the spirit. They've been given to you guys. But not to them. In order for us to lead at our next level, we need the spirit of wisdom. And that spirit of wisdom, some will receive, but some won't. Now watch this. He goes on to say something also very radical. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Someone who doesn't understand communism was asking the question, Is Jesus, wasn't Jesus a communist? <laughs> okay. But Jesus here says, whoever has will be given more and they will have in abundance. Some people, as they catch revelation of things of the Spirit, some people, as they receive the Spirit of wisdom and revelation, they go to another level and other people are left behind and they're like wondering what happened. Has God left me behind? And they will pray prayers from a place of victim stance. But Lord, why me? And they'll take things personally because they don't understand some of the principles that I'll be sharing with you. He says, Whoever has will be given more and they will have in abundance. That word abundance means to superabound in quantity or quality. To be abundant. To be the better. To have enough and to spare. Enough to spare. To exceed to excel, to increase. Jesus is saying, those who are faithful with that which they've been given, those who have a posture to receive from heaven will get even more, whilst others remain down. May that not be our portion. May that not be our portion. I'm trying to show you right now that when you say to yourself from a fixed mentality that this is my lot in life, it's because I was raised by a single mom. It's because I was born on the wrong side of the railway track. This is why I'm like this. It's because I'm a female. It's because I'm a male. It's because I'm too old. It's because I'm too young. It's because I'm this color. And you bind yourself in that space. But I want to show you right now that this isn't a fixed state. There are some people whose starting point is a place of dullness where they don't have revelation, but they can shift. says, whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And people still think Jesus was a communist. Anyway, whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. And then he quotes, those seeing, they do not see. Could it be that you're not in a place of breakthrough in your influence in this life because you're not seeing? Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. Could it be that even right now you are hearing this message, but you don't understand? I've seen it happen, even in this church. Some people will receive a prophetic word. It does something to them. They wage war according to the prophecy. I've seen it happen with people like the Manumas, Tendai and Giriro. Happening. Where they'll wage war according to the prophecy. I've seen it happening with Michael and Fazai. They'll wage war according to the prophecy. Words that have been released over their lives that we have even forgotten about. They heard and they understood. And I see the fruit. 
in them, and there are many other people, by the way, I just used them as examples, they were just top of mind, okay? Some of you are thinking like, well, what about us? I've seen it recently with Hiron, with Hiron and Hanali. No, Hiron was thinking, yeah, but we also did that. With Hiron, the Lord has answered you, with Hiron, it's happened, okay? Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. Now watch this. For this people's heart has become calloused. It didn't say it was born calloused. It didn't say it was always like that all the time. It has become calloused. What is a calloused heart? Some translations will say thick, tough, fattened. But what it literally means is dull or stupid. And they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. There's always a place of restoration. Are you catching this this morning? There's always a place of restoration where if we turn to God, He heals our hearts and we will be those He speaks plainly to and we will go to our next level. Watch this. But blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. For truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom, let me tell you, there have been lots of messages in this church about the kingdom. Some people have left because their hearts were calloused. It's important to understand what happens in spirit. Some people move on from a church, because God is moving them on. Others move on because their hearts are calloused and they can't actually hear. They can't actually hear. How many of you know that when a kingdom message and an apostolic message is preached, if you don't embrace it and receive it, please catch my heart when I say this, you experience the judgment of that word. You can't receive a true word from God, you can't reject a true word from God and there be no consequences. When you look in scripture. And that's why when you hear a message that is anointed, that is, um, that is sending you to do a particular thing, there's a weight of responsibility that is on you to obey it. If it's from God. And you see what happens is sometimes people hear a word, but because they're dull in terms of understanding and can't cope with it, they don't see what you're seeing. Some of you have come to this church and you'll say, wow, so blown away. Thank you for that word. Thank you for that message. It's this breakthrough in my life. Someone else would have given me feedback who was sitting right next to you saying the opposite thing. Are you, are you hearing me this happen? And that's why it's important to pray before you hear a message. To actually come with expectation to say, God, may my heart be pure to receive this if this is from you. And then to check it out in scripture for yourself like the Bereans did. And they were acknowledged as being more noble than the rest of the people around them because they checked to see if what Paul the Apostle was say, saying was, was true from scripture. So you check out what's been taught, but you do it from a pure heart. Be careful of what you reject. So it says, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it. Now you might think, but Paul, it's okay to misunderstand certain things and surely it's fine. When you don't understand a message that's for you, that's from God, there are consequences to not understanding. And when you don't understand it, it's important to seek out so that you understand. Because watch this. It says, when they don't understand it, the evil one does what? So demons get involved. The evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. Now, when you've got a calloused heart, that word bounces. It can either be sown in your heart and it's quickly snatched away, but for some people it just bounces, it doesn't even get into their hearts. This is the seed sown along the path. I'm telling you right now, this is happening today. 
It's happening today. The kingdom message is to do with apostolic transformation of culture and nations. If we don't understand this, it means that it's being snatched away and we're missing out on the mysteries of the kingdom. When we're talking about going to our next level, we need to understand God's mysteries. When we're talking about going to the next level, we need the spirit of wisdom and revelation. But my question to you this morning is, has it been snatched away from you? Or are you grasping it and is it in your heart and is it growing? Amen? Are you catching this this morning? So I want to whet your appetite a little bit about the first character that I'm going to be dealing with. And I'll just touch on it for the next few minutes and then we'll close. I want to look at one of my favorite characters in the Bible. And that's Daniel. Daniel is one of those guys where there's nothing negative apparently said about him in scripture. We named our third boy Daniel. It means God is my judge. One of the interesting things that a lot of people aren't aware of is that if you look at Judah at that particular time, it was literally sandwiched in the middle of the superpowers of the time. The Assyrian kingdom, Egypt, and Babylon. Imagine that. Imagine being a small nation and you've got the US next to you and you've got the UK next to you, which is another strong nation. China, for example. Now, which are the strong nations nowadays? Right? And you're literally there in the middle. And they have to go past you to get to each other. It would be in their interest to take over you. Not so? And we want to look from the life of Daniel and start to explore. And I'm going to do this over the next couple of weeks. We're going to start to explore. What was it about Daniel that took him to his next level of leadership? And what can I embrace in my own life to go to my next level? How many of you here are feeling me this morning and saying, you want to go to your next level? So I want to give you some keys. It says in Daniel chapter 1, I'm going to read from verse 1. Good place to start. In the third year, we're going to say year, <laughs> not year, year. When I was in quiet high school, I was in one of those high schools where they were trying to teach us to speak proper English and they would often say to us like, when you're singing, say year. Not year. Because you know with our accents down here, you know, it's like years. Year. <laughs> and it comes out stronger when you're singing. Year by year. <laughs> anyway, that's how we were taught. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. Some of you are in a situation right now in your life where your minds have been besieged by the enemy. Some of you are in a situation right now where your marriages have been besieged by the enemy. Some of you are in a situation where you recognize that this nation in the spirit has been besieged. There are things happening in this nation that we don't want to happen. Where everyone is like, what's happening to the economy? Where people are like, we're out of here because we don't know what's happening. And we're scared for our kids. That's not the blessing of God. It's not. Now watch this. They came to Jerusalem and besieged it. This great city, Jerusalem, was besieged. And the Lord delivered Joachim, king of Judah, into his hand. How many of you know that you can have presidents of nations who have been delivered into the hands of demonic spirits? You can have leaders in nations. And I'm speaking very broadly here. I'm not pinpointing on any individual. I'm speaking broadly. Leaders of big organizations. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Where people will look and will say, what's happened? How come we have to pay so much now for electricity? What's happened in terms of our minds? I'll tell you what's happened. There were leaders in those positions that had demonically inspired counsel that made foolish decisions and you're suffering because of it. It happened because of leadership gaps. Yeah. And that's why people will look and will say, ah, no, but guys, it's easy to turn this around. We just need three years to do A, B, C, D. We shouldn't have done X, Y, Z. And we're like, where was that wisdom when it was needed? <laughs> there are nations today on this continent that we all know, not far even from here, where you've got people with multiple degrees, degrees that are in paragraphs. You know when you look at some people's CVs, their degrees are in paragraphs. Turn over page two. And carries on. Oh, 
I was looking at some, someone's uh, recently and I was thinking to myself, I actually thought it was a joke or something. <laughs> but despite the fact that they've got education in the natural, and with a lot of them honorary doctorates from this place and that place, what's happened to those nations? God is raising up leaders who have wisdom from heaven. Wisdom of heaven from heaven to run businesses. Wisdom from heaven as they pray out as, as fathers in their households. Lord, how do you want me to lead this family? Lord, what's your destiny for my family? Lord, how should I treat my wife? Men who take responsibility. Let me just say something about demonically inspired counsel. It happens in different ways. Sometimes if someone is very manipulative towards you, someone in your family, it might be an uncle, it might be an aunt, you find that you make sound decisions with your spouse when it's just the two of you. And then you see an interesting pattern. I've seen this with people, even people when I counsel them. They're now doing the opposite. I'm like, what happened? No, my auntie said that when in our family what we do. They've just shown their epistemology, how they know what they know. It's not biblical revelation from the word of God. It's demonically inspired lies. And the source very often is a family member who's influenced them in that negative way who doesn't know Christ. Now watch this. We're talking about leadership. And the Lord delivered Joachim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. The audacity to do that. The audacity to do that. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God. Now, Daniel was a godly man. We all know that. He didn't just become godly when he went to Babylon. He was a godly man, wasn't he? Yeah. How would you feel if you knew that you're about to now go to this place and these guys have stolen all this stuff? You would go there and you'd want to take it back. You would want to lead a revolution, wouldn't you? And so here's the first principle of going to your next level of leadership. And please put, let's put this into practice. I want to make this very, very practical. Principle number one, to go to my next level of leadership. Number one, identify the crisis to which you have been called. We only know about Daniel as a leader because of the crisis to which he was called and he arose in a climate of crisis. If you look at this continent and you look at a lot of the great leaders, where people call them stalwarts and they did this, they did that, they became great in the context of crisis. My question to you this morning is, what's the darkness around you? What are the frustrations people are feeling around you? When you want to sell a product, when you want to start a business, it's always a solution to a problem. If I say, guys, I'm now into toothbrushes, what problem am I solving? Death breath. <laughs> Tooth decay. Clock. Okay? I was, I was saying to my wife, do they have breath freshener for dogs? You know? Because one of our dogs at the moment, yeah, it's either coming out one end or another. You know? But that's a good business opportunity. There are lots of people out there who like dogs. The point I'm making is this. The point I'm making is this. If you want God to take you to your next level of leadership, identify the crisis to which he has called you to. Do not run away from the crisis. The moment you run away from a crisis he's called you to, you've just made a statement, I'm not really a leader. If you look throughout scripture, leaders were deliverers. Moses is known as a leader because he took the guys out of Egypt and he led them in that context. What is it that God is telling you to take your extended family out of? Instead of just saying like, oh, my family is like this, Martha. And most of my family is like this. Most of my boss, oh, my boss is worse than your boss. You see Christians, even in small groups, where it's now this competition, who's got the worst boss? <laughs> Instead of actually saying, you know what, this guy is, I've been called to a crisis and I'm going to rise as a leader in the context of that crisis. What's the crisis that you've been called to? Leaders rise in times of calamity. What is everyone in your industry afraid of? 
Make sure you're courageous in those areas. Some years ago, I thought to myself, what's the gap on the African continent concerning leadership? And the Lord spoke to me very clearly, and he says, it's courage. Because you see, there are a lot of people out there with the integrity, but they don't have courage. There are a lot of people out there with the competence, but they don't have courage. God has called us to be people of integrity, to be people who are competent, but he's also called us to be courageous. You cannot lead without courage. Amen. Where's the darkness around you? Our families right now and our schools have been besieged and they've been captured by the enemy. Let leaders begin to rise. Let leaders begin to arise. What does your nation right now need deliverance from? Right now. I'll tell you what our nation needs deliverance from right now. One of the main things is fatherlessness. Fatherlessness. When I see guys toy-toying, when I see guys demonstrating, when I see guys, and there's the positive side of it, but there's the negative side of it. When I see guys burning down libraries, the very libraries they want to actually learn from, but they're burning them down. I'm saying, where's the father? Where's the mother who should be correcting that child and saying, uh-uh, I'm not having any of this nonsense. Yeah. I'm telling you right now, in this nation, there's a crisis of father, fathering and there's a crisis of leadership. And very often the two go hand in hand. There's a crisis of, there's no leadership in the home anymore. Even in the workplace, I deal with some leaders who are afraid of their employees. Where I say to them, okay, here's a feedback tool. Use this tool to give them this feedback. Tell them A, B, C, D. Hey, oh, yeah, but when they think that, I'm now thinking. Leaders are intimidated by the people who are following them. We're supposed to be following There's some teams I know of that are besieged right now as we speak by strong personalities. And that's very often because the leader doesn't know how to address it in the spirit. They don't know how to address it in the spirit. They don't know how to deal with the spirit of witchcraft coming against them. They don't know how to deal with the spirit of domination, control, and manipulation coming against them. Some of you are in that space where you're afraid to go to work just because of one of your subordinates. I had a situation after one of my workshops. A lady comes to me and she says, what do I do because of this? And I told her, I said, you, don't, you need to address this. This is a spiritual thing. They didn't even know if the person was a Christian. She says, you know what the problem I have is because this woman is so strong and she says this and she says that and even my boss, my boss's boss is afraid of her. And yes, Paul, you say he's the one who needs to address it, but he's also afraid of her. So he hasn't addressed it. What's the crisis? Give yourself, when you've identified what that crisis is, give yourself for the deliverance of your people. Great people, leadership greatness comes where we say, you know what, this is the crisis I'm seeing in my nation and people. This is how God has graced me and gifted me. I'm going to give myself for their deliverance. And when God sees that, there's something in him that says, I love this heart. I love this about this person. And because his heart is in the right place, I'm going to raise him up. How many people were born and raised here in South Africa? Raise your hand. South African people, many hands are going up. Rise up and lead your nation. They will not be able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which you speak. Rise up and lead. Yes, we must all lead, but I want to address the South Africans here. We were born and raised in this nation. This is your nation. Rise up and lead. If not now, where? If not you, who? Rise up and lead. Lead your families. Lead your extended families, even if you're the last born. Like Gideon. Rise up, mighty warrior, and lead. How many of you are from the rest of the continent? You were born and raised in other parts of Africa. Rise up and lead. 
God has placed you in this nation for such a time as this. Many of you here but a heart for the continent. Rise up and lead. Rise up and lead. Loxley's thinking like, why isn't Paul asking globally? How many of you were born and raised in the UK? <laughs> Praise God. Loxley's called to Africa. Amen. Daniel had to go and disciple the very people who had captured him. Daniel had to go and disciple the very people who had captured him. And when you look, as I take you on this journey, and you look at the language of respect that he uses when he's speaking to the emperor, when he's speaking to the officials, you know that his heart was not calloused. He was broken before God. He understood his purpose. Some of you right now, and I speak prophetically, the very bosses that have abused you, you are called to disciple them. The very people who've tried to con you, you are called to disciple them. Daniel rose up and he led and he discipled and he interpreted dreams of the very people who had taken things from the temple in Jerusalem and used those things and desecrated those things in their own temples. But with a pure heart, he discipled them. For some of you, you've used excuses, but I don't like my boss, he's like this. I don't like her because she's like that. What would Daniel, if he were here today, say concerning that? What would Jesus, who while he was on the cross, basically said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. He had an understanding of those whose hearts were calloused. They doubt. They were stupid concerning spiritual things. They were not enlightened. Jesus knew that, so he was able to be gracious and say, they know not what they do. I'm jumping ahead of myself, but remember later on, when the king was about to execute the magicians, what did, what did you find Daniel saying? He says, don't execute them. I will interpret the dream. Now he could have said, I don't want any competition. This is cool. Thank you for the breakthrough. You're eliminating them, Lord. <laughs> he could have done that as many of us would do. But he says, spare their lives. I'll interpret this for you. That's a whole nother teaching on mercy. Daniel had to go and disciple the very people who had captured him. Think of your enemies. Right now, think of your enemies. Could it be that God has called you to them? While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So God is calling us to our next level of leadership. We need the spirit of wisdom and revelation to lead. And we need to rise up to new levels of warfare. And I'll talk a bit more about that in subsequent weeks. The type of warfare that leaders engage in. The power centers in this nation have been besieged by principalities and powers. And God is calling us to dislodge those things and to take territory. But we need his wisdom that people can't resist. We need to speak by His Spirit. People can't withstand that. Amen? We need to identify what the crisis is in our nation. And it's not just one. The crisis is in our workplace. The crisis is in our families, in our extended families. And then we need to say, I'm going to give myself to this cause. Many of us have left our place of origin, our birthplace, Many of us have left cities where we had lots of influence and lots of following to say we're coming to Centurion to establish a church because of what God has called us to. Plucking children out of schools that were good schools. Making career shifts here and there because we're saying we want to establish ourselves here because there's a crisis in this nation and this is the best place for us to be positioned. What's the crisis God has called you to? Father, as we've been speaking about your precious Holy Spirit, we love your Holy Spirit. We rely on your Holy Spirit for wisdom and revelation. We want to speak by the Spirit of God. 
that people will not be able to resist what we propose. But we recognize this morning, Lord, that we can only have your spirit if we're truly born again. Maybe some of you are here this morning and you've been drawn to what I'm saying about the spirit of God. And you want to function at a higher level. But if you're honest with yourself, you'll say to me, Paul, you know what? I've grown up in religion. I don't really have a relationship with Jesus. I'm not born again. If you are here and you're not yet born again, I want to ask you to just lift your hand up right now. I want to see you because I want to pray with you. Thank you. I'm seeing your hands. Thank you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Thank you. I'm seeing your hands. Maybe you once knew the Lord, but you want to recommit your life to the Lord Jesus. And you're saying, I want to recommit my heart to the Lord Jesus. If you are here, raise your hand. You want to recommit your heart to the Lord Jesus. Anyone, anyone, anyone? I'm going to ask everyone to please stand. Please stand. And those of you who've raised your hands, come to the front. Come to the front. And I want to pray with you right now. I want to pray with you right now that God does a fresh work. just face me, just face me, don't worry about them, just face me, anyone else, yes ma'am, come through, come through, come through, isn't God good, isn't he wonderful, come through, come through, come through, we're bold, we're going to walk in his purposes,
I thank you that you're raising up people who understand spiritual warfare, who know how to lead, who know how to influence, who know how to intercede. I thank you, Jesus, that something is being activated. Pastors are being raised up in our midst. Prophets are being raised up in our midst. Apostles are being raised up in our midst. Evangelists are being raised up in our midst. Teachers are being raised up in our midst. Those who are business owners and business leaders, corporate leaders, being raised up in our midst. Those who will transform society in government, in schools, in education. I thank you that leaders are rising in this place. Right now, in the name of Jesus, I break powers of darkness over the people of God. Those who've been besieged by witchcraft, those who've been besieged by manipulation, domination, and control in their families, I break those powers of darkness over you. And I say, arise from the things of witchcraft in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Arise to your purpose in God, in Jesus' mighty name. And the people of God said a big, loud, Amen. Let's enjoy this journey together, guys, over the next number of weeks. I want to encourage you. We've got small groups in this church. Take responsibility. Look on the website. Find out about those small groups. Amen. We've got prayer that takes place on Tuesday nights. If you don't know how to pray, that's a good place to learn to pray. At 7 p.m. Tuesday night. 7 p.m. Tuesday night at this place. Come for prayer. It's extremely powerful. Amen. God bless you as you go. Those of you who are first-time visitors, please, there's some refreshments in the back room, just behind that um, video camera. There's some refreshments for you there. Everyone else, uh, go through to the back. There are resources you can purchase, read books and things like that. Love on each other. Don't be in a rush to disappear. Amen. <laughs>